Welcome to the Tarot Readers Academy TV and podcast, the place to be to get the tools, tips, techniques, and building blocks to level up your tarot reading practice, heart-centered business, and spiritual journey. I'm Ethany Dawn. I'm a full-time card slinger, business coach, author, and the headmistress of the tarotreadersacademy.com. And to top it all off, I'm also your host for this TV series and podcast. Hi, everybody. I am really excited to be talking about this subject today and to introduce our guest. Her name is Melissa Sanoa, and she is the author of the one and only Kitchen Table Tarot, which I have here in my hot little hands. And it is a brilliant read. It's got, I know I'm, I'm that person that dog ears, pages, me. Um, and Melissa is here to talk about making tarot approachable. So we're going to be talking about lots of myths and just mumbo jumbo that's out there and how to really approach the tarot your way. So Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, anything for you, dear. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, and there's a preachy in the background. You'll see a cast of two dogs and four cats all intermingling back here so enjoy if I start boring you just look over my shoulder (laughs) so um I want to jump right in and talk about and I know you you've you've mentioned this before and you talk about it in your book a little bit but what was was there anything that happened around your introduction to tarot that you look back and just go man I wish I had not heard that or it surprised you or that you feel is still lingering yeah, you know, I, okay, so I still shuffle tarot cards into my left hand because I read somewhere that that was the ancient gypsy way, right, of doing it because your heart has a vein that goes directly to your left hand. Some sort of bullshit like that. Can I swear? Is It's going to be a short thing if I don't. Okay. So some kind of bullshit like that, that you, the only way you were allowed to shuffle is into your left hand and you had to cut to the left. And since I've been doing this since 1989, I still do that just because that's how I learned. Because I thought that if I didn't, my reading would be wrong and that I would be doing it wrong. And if I'm doing it wrong, you can't do a good reading, right? Or um, that you can't um, buy your first tarot deck. It has to be given to you. And I remember very proudly telling friends, well, mine was a gift, so I can use this. <laughs> just completely full shit. It, it makes no sense, you know? Um, so, yeah, those are two things that, that just shock me when I look back. And I'm like, oh, you little dumbass. Bless your little heart. <laughs> Dumb as a box of hair. So, yeah. And it's so surprising how just enduring a lot of this stuff is. And one of the things that I still do is I still cut my deck with my left hand, mm-hmm. which is meant to be your subconscious hand, right? The hand of the subconscious. So, even though I've been doing this for so long, I still cut the deck with my left hand. Um, And it's interesting when we're talking about this uh, supposed to do things a certain way, um, I feel as though there's some of it that comes from maybe a traditional point of view of like this is a way that I do it and then it's kind of carried on or they've heard it from a teacher. But do you feel as though some of it has become a bit of this gatekeeping thing? And how do we move past that? And honestly, I think that, and this is just in my experience, I'm sure people email me if they disagree with me, as usual, which is fine. Um, But I think that a lot of it is gatekeeping, you know, because if you have to have a certain amount of training in order to be an approved reader of the cards, or if you cannot access the deck, without it being given to you because it's just going to be like happy birthday here's a tarot deck right or if it's not a tradition that's supported in your community or your faith nobody's going to give you a deck so you're cut out of the community and i think that gatekeeping like like, such a great word um actually shows a lot of privilege in saying if if you are this person living in this kind of community with access to these kinds of teachers then you can read tarot but if you're not it's bad luck and all of your tarot you know will be ruined 
And I think that um, it's it's classist for sure. And I all because who can afford a tarot deck, right? Like if if you don't go on Amazon and buy one for twenty bucks, right? And you have to go to some esoteric place to make sure that it was blessed by fairies or whatever the fuck. Um, who can afford that? You know, it, it becomes very limiting. So I do think that a lot of the a lot of the old traditions were to keep tarot as this kind of obscure, hard to do. You can't do it yourself. You have to pay $300 for someone to be your psychic advisor. And, and I have this woman in Chicago who does my readings and she's the only one I trust. Like there has to be an air of mystery to it for you to be an authentic reader. And if I'm honest, I think it's a crock of shit. So. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with you. You bring up a really interesting point about tarot shifting from this perspective of being classist and and being a bit systematically oppressive just due to a few things like you said like community religion culture financial situation to the boom of technology and all of a sudden at least you know there is just a plethora of information out there that you can now access and stuff like this podcast is, is one example mm-hmm. where you can at least have the voices of, of people in the community, but at least you can look up card meanings and get all that information. And beforehand it was hard. I remember trying to find books on the craft when I was in the nineties, <laughs> I'm dating myself um, in the nineties. And there was this one bookshop in Perth, Western Australia called the Magic Circle Bookshop and they were like the bookshop, you know, and they had, they sealed all their books. Like you couldn't even like open them. It was such a closed little community. And, you know, I say thank goodness for technology in a way of oh yeah, forcing us out in a way. And it, I think it's the great equalizer because I, you know, I remember I had one, I lived in, grew up in the middle of Missouri, which is kind of like I've described it as the buckle of the Bible belt mm-hmm. and it's um, because it, we're right in the middle. There are churches. Just, you can't swing a cat without hitting a church around here. And it's just not done. It's not a thing that's done. You don't really talk about it. And I would apologize that I like people are like, Oh, what do you do for fun? I'm like, I read tarot. It's no big deal. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just for fun. I did that for like 20 years of reading tarot. I apologized for it because I didn't want people to judge my family. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the very first time I attached my name to tarot ever was in 2017 when my book came out. You would never, ever have searched for Sonova and tarot and found me ever. Um, and that was on purpose because I, I need a job and I need people to not harass my family. But I do think that the internet being the great equalizer it is, lots of people are exposed to new kind of things and they're feeling more comfortable with different kinds of things. And I think that the internet has a great deal to do with people not you know harassing me or harassing my, my family um, because you can just look it up and educate yourself. If you're so inclined, if you want to be an ignorant a-hole, then, you know, you can stay in your little box and not Google anything. But it's it's easier to really understand things that before were just out of reach because what you heard was the truth. Who are you going to talk to? Oh, tarot cards are from the devil. Well, where can I verify that? They just are. Well, okay, I guess I believe you, you know, because nobody's there to counterpoint and the internet is a huge section of counterpoints. So... I think I answered your question, but I just go on. So <laughs> No, no, but you bring up really interesting points and you bring up really valid experiences that I, you know, I still hear about people. I just spoke recently about um, my, you know, my thoughts on coming out of the tarot closet and mm-hmm. the responses from our community is like, there are still people who just won't, won't come out to um, and say they like tarot, won't share their love for it. And I, go into depth in that in that post I'm not going to rehash it that is certainly something that can become an intimidating gatekeeper as well of of not um not picking it up the whole reason I picked little box tarot because I didn't have to put my name to anything and I dropped it recently because the book's out I mean cat's out of bag um but I had a long conversation with my with my family and I'm like this is going to affect you there aren't many Sonovas here you know most of us are in Poland and this is really going to have an effect. And my dad was like, well, I don't give a shit what you write about. I'm proud of me. And I was like, that's all I need, man. That's all I need. But um, it still exists because 15 years ago, I got fired because I read tarot cards. Like I, I got 
I was working, I got promoted to a job two steps above mine. They didn't train me and I got fired for not learning the, the job fast enough. Right after she found out I was learning, I was reading tarot cards. So it's, it's very possible that it could happen again. Now the place that I work now is amazing and they love it. And they're coming to my book signing, like my boss and my boss's boss are coming to my book signing in March. But there are lots of jobs that are not like that, especially in the Midwest. It's, it's pretty scary. So making it even more egalitarian helps no one. Mm. And so what are some of the other superstitions that, um, so I want to talk about superstitions and then I want to talk about, uh, then I'm talking about how we can make it more approachable as a community and also some mm. of the ways that we feel we can do that. But before we make, touch on making it more approachable, what are some of the other superstitions or, or some of the ceremony or things that you just see that you think, oh, come on now, are we, st- are we still on that back? Right. Isn't it broken down on fire like over there? Like have we not abandoned this yet? Yeah, you have to keep your tarot cards in a silk sack or a silk wrapping if you can afford silk, right? Um, and you have to sleep with it under your pillow so the cards seep into your subconscious through, I don't know, um, some kind of scientific or, or esoteric morphing thing that I don't understand. Um, you can, you have to, what is the thing? You can't read for yourself or you can only read for yourself. I've heard both of those. Yeah. Um, which, so what are you supposed to do with your deck? If both of those are correct, just look at it. Um, what else? If you lose a card, your tarot deck is completely wrong and ruined and you can never use it again. Um, and, uh, what else? Those are the ones that I, that I still hear. And I'm like, seriously, please don't put your tarot deck under your pillow unless you're really comfortable with it because you could screw up your cards and they're expensive and that's kind of gross. But, you know. I also find like, not only can you like really hurt your neck, but I don't need 78 other voices in my subconscious. Thank you very no. much. Like there's enough going on up there. <laughs> but at well, that time. <laughs> and I think that we need a break from it. I think that Yes, you should do whatever you can to absorb the knowledge of cards. I'm not saying it doesn't work because I, you know, I put mine next to my bed because I'm a hygiene freak and I was like, gross. And I did have dreams about the cards when they were sitting next to my bed. But I've read in books under your pillow. And if if the only thing you have to learn from is this book, you know, that's an absolute. And that can make people really uncomfortable or really not want to get started. That um, you have to be a witch to read cards. I was going to, I was going to bring that one up that, you know, that's going to surprise all of my Christian and Jewish and Muslim buddies who are, who are tarot readers. Um, uh, that it's, it's mostly for women. I've heard that, um, which I think is just kind of a societal thing that we're thankfully breaking away from. Um, but I think there are all sorts of things. And if you think of them each objectively, um, from outside of a tarot community, there are a bunch of cants that are, um, that are just passed on through oral tradition and really have no application in real life at all. Um, like I keep my tarot cards in makeup bags that I get for $10 from Ipsy. That doesn't make them any less sacred than ones that are kept in a silk wrapping on my altar. I don't have room on my altar. I've got too much shit on there, but it's like, it's whatever is practical for you. That should be what your tarot practice is. Whatever works for you, you know, I find one of the big ones that I see a lot in our community discussion is the imprint. And I really do feel as though it is an imprinting of people's uh, religious or spiritual practice onto the tarot. Now that's going to happen if you're using it as a spiritual tool. And not everybody does, but a lot of people do. It's going to happen because of the themes of the decks that are out. So there is such a thing as the Jesus tarot and the Jesus oracle. Yes, it's a thing. Um, you know, there's the yoga tarot. There is um, the sacred India tarot. There is everything. There's a witch's tarot. There's all these yeah. spiritual um, practices that are put on top of the, of the system of tarot. But um, there is definitely that separation. And just because you view it that way or, or me being a out-of-the-closet witch uses the tarot does not mean they go hand in hand. And that's for mm-hmm. any spiritual practice. And that's a really enduring one that um, keeps coming up. Yeah. And if you look at the Rider Waite Smith deck, I'm lucky enough that Brian Edward, who did the Maybe Lenormand, is a really good friend of mine. And he studied the history of tarot and design. 
And the Rider Waite Smith deck was a Catholic deck, a Catholic Shakespearean tarot deck. Um, and you can clearly see there's a dove above the chalice. The chalice is part of the Catholic mass. Like you can see all of these symbols if you're familiar with Catholicism. Yeah, exactly. If you're familiar with Catholicism, you can see all the symbols in it. I haven't been Catholic for, what year is it? Since like 1993 when I left the church. And I use the Rider White Smith deck constantly because to me, the symbols are deeper than what they originally represented. Just as I see myself as the king of swords, even though I myself am not a white cis male. I'm a Native American bisexual chick. And and that's okay because it's what you pull from the cards that makes them valid. And I think that if trying to, well, first of all, trying to impose your religion on anybody is just a dick move. So that's my base opinion on that. But but trying to limit access to tarot if, if it's not a spiritual practice, I think is also kind of a dick move because I, I know counselors who use it as part of their therapy sessions. I know people who use it in business coaching. I know people who use it to predict sports games and they're really good at it too. Like they use it to do scores or I don't know, I don't know sports ball, so whatever. But, I like sport. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't do sport, but I think that, that it's a tool. These are a tool and you can use your tools however the fuck you want, you know? And saying that somebody's usage is invalid because it doesn't match yours is bullshit, so. I think the you have like a swearometer at the bottom that like ticks off how many times. I'm the same way, so that's all good. Um, oh, perfect. I think that there's. I'm. I'm. I'm wholeheartedly a swear bear. Like that would be my care bear. It would be a swear Aww. bear. Um. So, <laughs> care bear stairs. Swear bear stairs. <laughs> um. So I think that's a really important and really, if you got down to a root cause analysis of where a lot of these things come from, whether it's elitism or gatekeeping or, um, you know, obviously there's an ego in the way of someone saying you can't do this this way. Um, you can't sit with us. Yeah, you can't sit with us. You're not invited. Yeah. Um, is definitely down to personal projection. And it's okay. Like it's it's okay to have a spiritual practice. It's okay to be like me or be like Avalon who um, I know well, who does, you know, we believe that tarot and we use tarot, not believe, we use tarot in a sacred space and in a, and, and the way that we carry out our readings, um, it can be very ritualistic because we're both working witches and it feels natural to have that extension. But yeah. I also use tarot for people who want to do business coaching and I also use tarot as a predictive tool and I also use tarot as a brainstorming tool. So it's more just being really aware of, of where your prejudice or your, your, you know, the, what is it called? The, the lens in which you view life. Is yeah. Well, and I had to like, because I wrote about this in the book and I was curious, so I read the Eden Gray book. It's from like 76 that I learned on. And I was shocked to see how many things I read in that book that I thought were dogmatic. Like you have to do this. And it wasn't until I read that book that I realized that I had absorbed like 70% of the dogma that was in that book as fact, as it has to be. And I was like, oh, I am full of shit. Look at this. Because that's how I was informed and your history informs you. But I think having an openness to other people's history can be really important because I don't see tarot readings as a sacred act. I think they can be, but I think the sacredness doesn't come from the cards. I think it comes from the people. And I like my cards are beat half to shit. And um, I, I just use them like I would a hammer, you know, and um I, I take good care of my hammers, but I'm not going to put them on my altar. Like that's not how I see the cards, but that doesn't make your path any less valid than mine. And I think that the fact that we're both like, yeah, you know what I do? I do this. It's a really great way to approach other people's um, ways of reading cards. Um, it reminds me like Andrew uh, McGregor and Rose Robinson and I were on a podcast talking about Big Trouble in Little China, which is the best movie ever. And we were assigning tarot cards to the clients or to the, to the main uh, characters. And we all said that a different character was the magician. Mm. And we were all right, too. We were all correct. And nobody was arguing over it. We were just like, oh, I can see that, but I think this. And I think that more people approaching tarot with that kind of point of view is only going to build a community stronger, really. Absolutely. <clears throat> 
So now that we've talked about some of the things we've seen, um, how do you feel we can make the tarot more approachable? Or if someone's listening and they're like, I've heard a bunch of this stuff. And it's the same if you read like Uncle Bucky's Big Blue Book on Witchcraft. He's like, you have to do things this way. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of that. And I think a lot of that was generational. Yeah. But if you're, um, because it's it, like even when you read Waite's book on the, on the right of weight, He's pretty like cut down the line of like, yeah. this means this and this is this and that's the line and that's the way it goes. So how do you feel we, that, that bringing tarot to a more approachable place can be and how do you think people can go about making it really their own? I think that there has to be a core of tarot. There has to be, the Ace of Cups has to mean these three keywords, right, or four. And then you can expand or shift perspective or whatever you need to do, but it still has to be the Ace of Cups. I think, though, I always think about um, that, uh, what is it, Indiana Jones movie, where they're looking for the chalice, and they're filled in a room of chalices. The the whole (laughs) Yeah. Last Crusade, sorry. Yeah, Last Crusades. And, um, (laughs) excuse me, and they're all, all of them are different. All of the cups are different. And, but each of them are valid. And the one that that shines for him is the one that no one else picked. So if your perspective on the Ace of Cups is that it's about your own personal um, emotional well-being and health rather than your relationships with other people, I think that's okay. You know, but I think getting to a place where um, you can take the card and pull out the bones of it and then build build on those bones for yourself, I think that's a really important thing. Because if you look at like the slow holler deck or like the one I have here is the... um, Raven's Prophecy Tarot, which is just hands and birds and feathers. Like, there's not a lot to this graphically, but the cards line up so well with the meaning of, of the tarot that it's like, it's just another, just another um, interpretation of the same bones that we all know. And I think that, that that's what makes tarot so exciting and beautiful is that everybody sees the cards a little differently and uses them a little differently. Mm-hmm. And also for people too, and I agree totally that the tarot has a system, has a structure, and those cards have core meanings. And then to learn that and build your own on top of it and look at what the artist has maybe put in and then, you know, maybe something comes to you that's intuitive, like it's all layers, right, but getting the bones right, and that's why I teach the right of weight and I'm like that's the skeletal option for me is is the right of weight smith system um but what is really interesting and what i think a lot of the time happens is you have to allow your practice and your flavor your way of doing things to take time and sometimes i think people think oh if i'm just if i get gifted the deck or if i if i do this ritual or if i store it this way all of a sudden i'm going to get this initiation power download and i'm going to be like the guru of tarot and even if you did all that stuff guess what it's still going to take time unless right. someone has that matrix technology where you can jack that thing in the back of your that head and download everything <laughs> yeah that would be amazing um i you know i i do think like when i teach i had a class last night with one of my students and his homework was to take 10 cards that he hates the most and apply them to his favorite pop culture. And he picked Firefly. So oh we God, through, I, love Firefly. I know I love Firefly too, but I had him pick out and then explain to me why he picked those cards to match those people. Because now he knows those cards. doesn't matter if he likes them or not. Because the ones we don't like, we avoid. And we're like, higher fit, Schmeier fit. I'll just skip that. <laughs> That's what I used to do. Um, but once we have our own perspective and our own grasp on that, on that card, then I almost said grasp on that bone and that's not, um, once we know what that card means to us, like if we think that the fool is absolutely Jane and here's why it's Jane, we can take those Jane characteristics and apply them to the fool when they come up in their reading and then interpret that instead of what the book says. And I think that's a really great way to, you know, because your cards are useless till you know how to use them and until you know the meanings, but memorizing 140 some different meanings for, for 78 cards is hard. Oh wait, and they mean something different depending on where they are and depending on which cards are near them and what the person's asking. And it's really hard, but if you learn bones, man, you've got it. You can, you can build on it from there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's so true. And then another thing that I find to be enduring, um, 
you know, and, and I teach the Rider Waite Smith system, um, but I didn't like the original Rider Waite Smith deck. I thought it was the, the colors were ugly. Um, I didn't like it. It wasn't very pretty. Um, you know, I mean, I, it, to my defense, I found tarot when I was 15. So it was like, oh, that's so aesthetically. Oh my God, that's so stupid. That's stupid. Yeah, that yellow is gross. Um, so I found it very early on. So I was not, not engaging with that, but, uh, find, find the deck that speaks to you too. So don't, don't feel as though if someone says you have to learn this one, whether it's Marseille, Thoth based, whatever, yes, maybe find a system that works for you, but then find a deck that you actually are going to enjoy spending time with because it's going to become like that person that you spend time with. You don't want to hang around with someone that is in like draining. You want to enjoy picking up the cards. So have you found that to be similar advice that you would give to people? Absolutely. I had my first deck was a Rider Waite Smith and it was, um, it's from 1971. So it was a bit faded when I got it in 89. And I think if it hadn't been, I would have been like that yellow is just killer. The yellow kills me from the Rider Waite Smith. It's just so fucking yellow. And it's everywhere. Um, so much yellow. <laughs> oh my God. But it was faded. And I think if I had gotten a Marseille deck, I would have been less attracted because I, I know I have lots of friends who can read Marseille. Like it's their job and it sometimes it is. But to me, it looks like a bunch of sticks and a bunch of knives and a bunch of cups. And I, I can read them because I know what the cards mean, but I can't pull the little details out. Like in the Seven of Swords, when there's a bunch of guys on the hill with a bunch of sticks waiting to kick that sneaky guy's ass, that's a really important part of the card for me. And if I don't see that, I'm just like, okay, well, if I had a Rider Waite Smith deck, then I would show you this detail, you know? Um, but I think that fine, like my second deck was the, uh, medicine woman tarot, which really meant a lot to me because it's given to me by a friend who was native and it kind of touched on my roots as well. And then I got Shadowscapes deck, um, by Stephanie Law. Oh, and it had foxes everywhere. That's the, that's the deck that helped me take off. I had a perfunctory and working knowledge of the tarot. And when I got that deck, I knew those cards. I knew them like the back of my hand. They were alive to me. They talked to me. And I finally hit my stride with tarot. But that didn't happen until I had cards in my hand that, that made it feel like it was mine. I got those pictures. The Hierophant with his little branches twisting around in the rocks. Oh, it looks like a little librarian. Oh, my God. It gives me feelings. It makes it move, Ethany. You know what I'm saying? Like, that made the Hierophant card mean something to me. Because that image spoke to me more than the dude with the big hat and the keys, you know? Yeah. I was like, oh, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, it's an end. Like, I was so excited. <laughs> and it was just, it was wonderful, you know? Or when I saw um, the Heart of Stars tarot, I always teach the magician by using their magician card because it's, um, it's speak of the matrix, it's uh, Neo. It's Neo blocking bullets with one hand. That's the magician. He's got everything he needs inside of him. Reality bender, right? Yeah. Exactly. And I think that once a light goes off, that's your card. You've got the card. You know, congratulations. You you find you found the key. So, yeah, I, I get excited about that. Yeah, no, I do too. And that's a really <laughs> great deck, by the way. If you are into pop culture and tarot, and obviously Melissa and I very much are, um, the Heart of Stars tarot is fantastic and it comes with an awesome ebook that goes through all the characters and the choices for why. And if you are very much into like assigning um, different people from enduring pop culture to tarot, it can help you so much. It's such a great deck. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. One, one, like the middle part of my class is about pop culture and tarot when I teach folks, because I find it so relatable and so approachable. Um, and, you know, I'm, Right now, I'm reading, like, the old books. I'm reading all of the old books that I never got to see when I was younger because I just had the one. And then I kind of read everything that Mary Greer and Rachel Pollack wrote. And then I just wrote my own, right? <laughs> and that was it. That's like, you know, I read, like, Barbara Moore. I read Mary Greer. I made Rachel Pollack. And then I just started reading. So I missed all of those structural foundation books when I started. And I'm reading them now. And I do see the benefit in them. I think they're fantastic. I think there's a level of clarity. It polishes those, that skeleton of the tarot, you know? And I think that there is a lot of value in it, but I don't think that it, um, you don't have to live there. You don't have to marry those ideas. That doesn't have to be how you read. It's just how to read, you know? 
And so are there any daily practices or exercises or things that you like to do or to, I mean, we talked a little bit about some of them like taking the cards that you're really uncomfortable with and marrying it to your favourite, you know, universe in, in pop culture. But is there anything else like journaling or, or anything that you get people to really um, sit with on how to make the tarot your own and finding your own like groove, your own like secret sauce recipe with, with the tarot? One of the things that I do, because uh, this is what I teach because I did it, was I would take, um, I'd start, I would start with the pool um, and I would uh, go through, this is like, and I've been reading them for 10 or 15 years at this point, but I would go find every book that I could and read about the fool. And I would write down keywords or sentences that meant something to me. I would go online and I would Google the fool and I would write down all of the stuff I could find. And then I would, um, I would find all my pop culture references. And then I would write like two pages about what the fool meant to me in my journal. And so somewhere in storage, I have a journal from like, 2004 of everything that that those tarot cards meant to me and how I could use them in readings and I have like a stack of them like this big and it made it so personal that I I don't forget cards I know exactly what all of them mean to me I know exactly how to teach them I know the deck backwards and forwards because I took in all of this information and distilled it into what was important to me so I always have my students I'm like buy a bunch of notebooks (laughs) Yeah. And some really good pens, you know, but that's one thing that I always teach is that you have to really read everything, read all of it, dismiss what doesn't work for you. That's not the skeleton and, and go from there, you know? I love that. And I have very, I have a very similar sort of experience. I've got a blue, I've got a purple notebook that sits up there. It's got a bunch of other stuff on top of it, so I can't grab it. But it's whenever I have an aha moment about the cards, I write every, there's for every card there's three pages and I fill it up with all these notes um not to mention all of my other notebooks but that's like my aha book mm-hmm. and then I have like all of my core I've got behind me up here all my orosoma training and all of my tarot training from back in god forever ago and when I teach with my tarot course I say to when students are like oh I've written a lot I'm like that's good this is going to be your core work mm-hmm. when you go back you're going to be able to you're going to have your own workbook Mm-hmm. your own tarot book of your experiences, your real life reflections, your first impressions, your coming up against those archetypal energies in what way, and then your your combinations in readings. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's so powerful. And that's why I get people to do the work when they do my course. Yeah, I think that I, I got frustrated. That's a great, good word with, uh, with one of my clients, because they're like, I read your book and I started doing readings for people. And I'm wondering how much I should charge. She read with was like two weeks, ago, like two weeks before she'd been practicing for two weeks and she's ready to hang up her shingle, literally two weeks. And I'm like, would you call yourself a professional tarot reader? And she goes, absolutely. And I'm like, I'm going to stop you right there. You can do this, but I think it's disingenuous. I don't think that you have the depth of knowledge after two weeks of reading one book. I mean, fuck, I think my book is good, but it's not that goddamn good. <laughs> you know, you have to read other, you have to, have to, have to read everything and pull in all of the things before you can earnestly call yourself a professional. You know, I, I wouldn't fix a heater and say, well, now I'm an HVAC guy and I read the manual, so I'm all set. So I think that, that you have, in order to be a tarot reader, you must be a tarot scholar. You know, if you're going to do it professionally, you have got to be a scholar. If you're going to read for money, you have got to invest in your tarot education. You just have to. Um, If you read, even if you just read intuitively, which I don't have, I I read like intuitively, psychically, I read the cards. I, I do all like five of the ways that you can approach tarot cards. But even if you just read intuitively, I think that you have an obligation to put a certain amount of hours into studying this crap. And it's more than just saying, oh, well, when I see this card, I think of my ex-boyfriend and this is why. Because that's just your opinion. People aren't paying you for your opinion. They're paying for a reading. I have strong feelings about this. Can you tell? <laughs> I know. And like for many people that I've interviewed for, the, for this, there's a, that's a resounding um, theme. And for people who are listening and hopefully we've listened to more than one episode, these, the reason why I wanted to interview the people that I have and had the guests that I've had is because every one of you reads tarot actively and every one of you 
has the same thing to say. Like this is a craft. You don't just go, it's like anything. If you are a mechanic and they come out with a new car that they've changed the engine, they're not just going to be like, well, fuck it, you know, I. this is how we used to do it. No, they've got to go learn how that new right. engine works so they can fix it. You go to conferences, you learn, you learn from each other, you collaborate, you ch- you get challenged. Um, it's, yeah, it's definitely not just a one, one in, then you're done kind of thing. And two of the things that I've done, um, I started a tarot meetup in St. Louis. We have like 80 to 90 members now, but I started it with four of my friends that I became friends with them because I was so lonely and I didn't have anybody to talk to you about my cards because my readings were getting stale because this is the thing I love most in the world is reading tarot cards. It's my fucking favorite thing to do in the world, even more than concerts. Okay. And I really like concerts, but I needed to bounce my ideas off of people because I was shouting to a vacuum and it's so important. They taught me so much, just these four people. And now that we have 80 some people throwing their ideas off of each other, it's a vibrant community. The other thing is Teresa Reed's coloring book, the tarot coloring book. Did you know the magician's belt is a snake? Yep. Do you know when I found that out? When I colored that That fucking picture two years ago and went, holy shit, that's a snake. I had no idea. I've been looking at that magician card for 30 years and only just then went. It's overrun. (laughs) That's awesome. It's an Ouroboros. I know about that symbol. So now my, my understanding of the magician has this whole other level of understanding to it. And it's so much richer because the details, like you can't miss them. You can't miss that the epilogues on the chariot are the, the drama faces, the, the smiling one and the frowning one. Yeah. You can't miss that in the book, you know? So I assign that book as homework for my students because I want them to get into that card. And it's so, I mean, Teresa is just like the boss lady as far as I'm concerned. But the um, what I love about hers is not only is it just like a flat coloring book from someone who went, oh, coloring books are big and, oh, I'm going to put one out that's a tarot-related one. Right. The information in it is so good and there's so much space to put your own notes. So it's like this could be your walking tarot fucking scrapbook, you know, like it's so, it's it's the shit. Like I love it. Yep. I, I have one copy that when I have group classes, I actually tear pages out and hand them out to students. And while we're talking, they tell me what they're coloring and they and I tell them what that symbol means, or we talk about each person's card for about ten minutes while we're all coloring. That's so much fun! What a cool class that is, and it everybody leaves with an enhanced knowledge of those at least you know eight to ten cards, right? Um, but that's it's such an important part is to break down all of the symbols. Mm-hmm. So those are two things that I do, just just for that depth of knowledge. I think it's so important. Yeah. <clears throat> And it's and the 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 world that we live in with the the tarot is always growing and expanding and it's becoming, thank goodness, more inclusive. And the more voices we add to that, um, I think the absolute better our craft is for sure. Yeah, and like some of the I had a section in the book um, about diverse decks, and there's a, like um, oh I can't remember her name. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. You can put it in the show notes. Um, but she has uh, this uh, tarot of the QTPOC, the queer people of color. Yes. Asali, Asali Earthworks. Yeah. And um, that is one of the most valuable resources that I could ever imagine for new tarot readers because like, can I tell a story? It's mm-hmm. okay. So the numinous tarot has folks of all colors, of all abilities, of all ages and genders. And it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I read with it constantly. And I was reading with it in Dallas at a book signing. And I read for this kid who was transgendered. And he got kicked out of his house at 15. And he was abused before he got kicked out. Sorry. And um, he saw his face in the cards and just burst into tears. And he said, that's me. I'm in your deck. That's me. And so I obviously gave him the deck. But I also told him, you know, the fact that you're in here means there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. There are lots of people just like you in this world. And I also told him, if I were your mother, I would be so fucking proud of you. I couldn't even stand it. Um, so the fact that he saw himself represented literally made it, it meant everything to him. And seeing that happen as a tarot reader was so powerful that I, I rarely use cards 
um, that like for, for readings with folks that are straight white folks, um, I don't reach for them as quickly anymore because I know the impact that seeing your face in a tarot, I've seen it happen. You know, I've seen what it does. And like your bad bitches tarot, like, you know, do, giving a reading for one of my drag queen friends and one of the deck, like one of the cards was like, this tall, beautiful black woman with long hair. It looked just like my drag queen girl. <laughs> and she was like, you know, I'm in this deck. And I'm like, absolutely. This is you. And she like, she was there. She was in that reading because the card reflected her face, you know? And so it's, it's got, it's just so important. And one of the reasons that when I do readings, I have underneath the, uh, our reviews, but here's the deck here. What I thought about it. Diversity. Nope. Because <laughs> it's really important, and I want to draw attention to the fact that it's 2018, and I'm still getting decks of cards with all white people, and we need to talk about it. You know, yeah, we need, and we need to keep talking about it. Like Teresa White hashtag came out. Um, was it last year or the year before? And there was a big discussion on YouTube about it, and we need to keep talking about it. I just unboxed. Um, the lunar soul tarot. Oh my God. Yes. I love it. Like the star card is this woman who has a normal woman's body with hair on her legs, girl, and she's a woman of color. And it's just, it's just, um, everything. So it needs, it shows the world around us. Mm. Like this is the world we live in. It's kind of like we just had our elections last night and we have native American, you know, Congresswomen now for the first time ever. Uh, we have a lesbian native American in Kansas and I'm like, girl, I'm so excited because now our House of Representatives actually looks like the people, well, to some degree, it looks more like the people that they represent. And I think that tarot is edging there. Um, I think it's at a better clip these days than it used to be because it used to be novel to see a person of color in a tarot deck. And now I'm just like, right on, there's another one, you know? So I think it's, I think it's speeding up, but I do think we have room to grow for sure. So. And that's another way we make it accessible and that's another way we make it work for you and work for everybody is it being relatable it being actually a reflection of life because that's what it's supposed to be is a reflection mm -hmm. of life and yes historically i get it it was made for mystery traditions of you know predominantly white straight men who used to go to rosicrucian or masonic or the illuminati whatever you want to you know call it meetings you know, the golden dawn, you know, all that sort of stuff was very lock and key and it was all for straight white men. White guys. And think about who hired the artists and who had the money to do it, which yeah. straight white guys. So I have a friend, and I won't name her because I don't know if she'd be comfortable with that, but she would think it's funny, who actually knew the guys in the golden dawn in the 50s and 60s in New York City. And she showed me around her brother's house that had a chair from the offices. And I went, ooh, the golden dawn. She goes, they're a bunch of fucking assholes. They treated me like shit because I was a woman and I couldn't stand them. And I, and she kicked the chair and I could not stop laughing because, you know, we have all of these high ideals for people that were just people who were making art in that time influenced by that culture. So of course it looks like that, but you know, we learn better and we do better. That's how we grow. And then the interesting thing on that, and we're kind of getting a little sidetracked, but it's just an interesting perspective. I saw a video a little while ago about how um, the marble statues, especially in Greece, weren't, were actually painted. They weren't marble. They were olive-skinned people, which Mediterranean, hello, of right. course they were. But because they're so old, the, the paint's gone. But now through forensic science, we've actually found out that, that that's not true. They were actually painted to reflect society that was around them. And then, but the cultural shift that happened when it was like, oh, look at these pristine white marble statues and some of the real bullshit that came from that. It's the same thing with the tarot. It's like, think about the social context of what was yeah. happening at the time. We are no longer there. And so therefore there is no longer an excuse. Mm -hmm. And I think about it in, in the terms like, um, like the medicine woman tarot, I think is a very respectful native American centered deck, but I have seen tarot decks that have native Americans that are based on the noble savage and all of that horse shit that goes along with it. And all I can think is I thought 
that Native American, because I did, I culturally, my grandmother told people she was Italian because people didn't like any, you know, where she grew up. So culturally, I was removed from that. And in trying to learn about it, how did I learn about it as, as a white kid growing up in Missouri, that they were noble savages? That's all that I learned because I was taught by straight white folks, you know? So I think that it's really important as adults that we look outside of the scope of where we were taught and actually dig underneath the surface and see the little pieces of paint that are still there from history. You know what I mean? I think that's super important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank goodness. And what I attribute to this massive shift in, um, in the way in which Tara is moving forward to be more inclusive is things like Indiegogo and Kickstarter and indie mm-hmm. production, because I've got the numerous tarot like right there. I could grab yeah. it if I, if I wanted to. Right. And because the, we are saying we want this because this is true to our experience. Um, it's forcing the market to keep up. Like the everyday witch tarot has got a ton of people of color in it. Mm-hmm. You know? And thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. And like I talked to Christy Road, who did the um, yes. uh, right. right. <laughs> and she said, and I believe this is a quote, I drew the people that were in my life. Period. And she, she ignored, not entirely, but she ignored the white straight guys who were represented all over the place. So she had a lot of women. She had a Latino women. She had a lot of uh, African-American women. She had a lot of queer folks because those are people that surrounded her. And I think that's just so fucking important that we, that our decks reflect the people around us. And why like even these decks, like the Steepwater deck, um, cause it's got birds, you know, and it, it's, it's an, a more abstract viewpoint that takes us out of the human condition and and puts us someplace else and gives us that extra layer of perspective on the reading because it's not just a guy it's the high priestess is a mirror she's Mm -hmm. looking at herself in a mirror how fucking great is that because the high priestess is about insight and it's about using your your intuition and figuring out who you are so so i think that yeah i love the abstract decks i love i love all the diversity i'm just happy happy girl we're very lucky to be living at this time and being readers at this time I totally agree. And there's more and more coming out every year, which is just makes me so happy. <laughs> so um, we're coming to the, the close of our interview. So is there anything, anything else you'd like to share um, with us around making tarot your own and making it really approachable? I think what I would say is um, always find, always find someone that you trust to mentor you. So I go by word of mouth. Don't just grab a person off the internet and follow them blindly. Learn about them first. Um, I would say that you need to know who you are before you before you fall into the tarot study, because I think that you need to be on fairly, um, you need to be fairly grounded in who you are and what you want from the cards so that the cards can give that to you. I think that's really important. And I also think that um, Tarot can be whatever the hell you want it to be, and anybody who tells you different is trying to sell you something. So that's amen, what I think. Amen. Oh, I like that needs to be neoned. It's so true. <laughs> Challenge everything. Yeah. You know, like question and like I, critical thinking. I think is something that that is really underrated, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. saturation of media, and we can sometimes just take things at face value challenge everything challenge us you know challenge mm-hmm. our someone comes to me and says i don't see uh, you know my book's coming out next year and it's like i don't i don't see the archetypes the same way as you do for the court that's cool mm-hmm. i was just presenting you with the framework if you don't yeah. agree put your own ones on top of there um so yeah challenge everything i think that's a, a beautiful and yes, word of mouth, question, Google, research, read about yeah. people. Yeah, that whole whole nine yards. And yeah, to that, I just, I was at Newt's um, a couple of years ago presenting and the nine of pentacles was up. And I said that I saw that woman is trapped by her own finery and everybody in the room went, oh, I don't see the card like that. And I'm like, that's okay. But I think that she's a stuck. I don't see a way out. She's covered by those bushes and her, her falcon is tied and hooded. And I see her as trapped by privilege. And nobody else saw it like that. And I was like, cool, how do you see it? And the class continued and people told me their thoughts. So I think that if you come to the cards with that point of view, that, okay, cool, how do you see it? I think it will really lend depth to your readings. 
So absolutely. And actually one of the, um, I can't remember what older book it is, but in one of the older tarot books that actually does say that she's cloistered by her. And in that book it was, she's cloistered by her father's wealth and money and estate. So putting extra layer of the patriarchy on top of that card, whereas now kind of moved a bit more into a, um, she's a woman of her own means. You yeah. Know, what is associated with that card. But yeah, there is, there is an older one. I'll have to find it. Go dig That's it up. That's really cool. I'm smarter than I thought I was. Look at yeah. that. Look, you so are. No wonder you're an author. <laughs> I know, right? I'm so smart. Very smart. So you're the most a, smartest. <laughs> you have a new book coming out next year. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, I wanted to call it Elements, Five Tarot Readings to Unfuck Your Life, and they wouldn't let me. So it's called Tarot Elements, Five Readings to Reset Your Life. And it's basically a way to look at each part of your life, your home, mind, body, heart, and soul, and peel away all of the crap that has gotten piled on you in your love life, in your personal life, in your career, uh, with your body image, um, where you live, like all of this stuff that is so impactful. But it, when you have problems in all five, it's really hard to fix it how do you fix it you pick one thing at a time so the the spreads are based on the alchemical symbols for each element and um and the readings are very direct what do i get rid of what do i bring in what's holding me back and um the book is basically about how to take charge of each part of your life so that it's the life that you want to live so and when is it out what month it's in march uh, and if you come early to the Newt's conference, um, on February 28th, I'm having book signing at Powell's. So, and then I'll be teaching a class at Newt's um, about Yelena too. So make sure you send me the details and you give us the details. <laughs> make sure you send me the details to the Powell's um, signing and I'll put it in the notes because, you know, I'll be there too. I love me the Powell's. It's an, a fantastic bookshop. Mm -hmm. You can also pick up, um, kitchen Table Tarot, wherever good books are sold. And you also have a course available. So I will pop all of the links to where you can work with Melissa. And Melissa does still do um, working as well with the cards. If you want to get a reading from this lovely soul, you can. <laughs> so thank you so, so very much for joining me and for sharing with us all of your thoughts and giving us a lot of food for thought. I really appreciate it. I'm just delighted that you started this platform. I think it's going to be amazing. And I think that if, if we're going to have like a step up, stand out, bright voice to tarot, I'm fucking thrilled to live to you. I love Aww. it. And I can't wait to see you succeed. You're going to rock. Blushing. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, thank you to everyone who's watched and who's listening and um, have a tarotastic day, everybody. <laughs> Head to www.tarotreadersacademy.com to check out the training and offer with a faculty of tarot experts. That's www.tarotreadersacademy.com. You can also find out how to work with Ethany by heading to www.ethany.com. Thank you for joining us.